welcome to Mic Drop, the uh, podcast brought to you by SQL Presents. I'm Nick Andrews, Business Development Director at the employee-owned agency SQL, and our guest today is Jennifer Sproul, who is the Chief Executive Officer at the IOIC. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. No worries at all. Thank you. Before we get on to our topic today, which is essentially a look at the IOIC industry in 2023, can you just describe your role and what the IOIC does for those people that don't know? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my role, as you said, I'm chief exec, and that means a a doer of a lot and a master of none. But essentially, on a day-to-day level, of course, that means the sort of the operational running of the IYC and all of its activities. But then outside of that, my role is to work with the board to set our strategy and to ensure that is delivered. And of course, work on on our wider plans as an organisation and what we do to represent the profession. The IYC, so the Institute of Internal Communication, for those that don't know, we are, we'd like to say, the only professional membership body solely dedicated to the internal communication profession. I think next year will be our 75th year in existence. We are a not-for-profit organisation. And what that means by that is everything we do is to reinvest with services and to the benefit of the profession. And we're here really to help provide support, advice and content and to drive standards and the, the purpose of what internal communication is there to do. That's brilliant. And can you give us, Jen, a the current state of the internal commerce market in the UK as you see it right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends what lens you look at that state through. So you could look at it at the state of what's the jobs like, what is our positioning like in business and an organisation with regards to our influence, and dare I say it then, our budgets and how are those. So you look at that the state of the market, you can look at it across all those different angles. So if I take sort of that point of view around the positioning of internal communication. We all know what we've been through and how internal communication has risen up the agenda. And that positioning, I think, has increased. And then I think that, you know, there's been lots more infrastructure, lots more changes around internal communication and its function and its delivery. And our scope has significantly broadened in terms of our positioning. If I look at it in terms of jobs, I think I've seen, particularly in the last year or so, lots more movement in the job market for internal communication, lots more people moving around. It's like things have unlocked. I guess the end of the pandemic does that as well. And and certainly the visibility of vacancies has been increasing. So I think the jobs market is proving healthier for internal comms than than you perhaps might anticipate in the current sort of cost of living kind of crisis and, and, you know, pending or not now pending recession. And then you look at the question of budgets, and I'd say where I think our market is increased in jobs, positioning, but budgets, I think, is still we're significantly behind in our counterparts from the budgets that we're given to for infrastructure, but also to resources and to building that. So I think there has been great positioning, great growth in the market, but I think we are still um, limited, dare I say, in the budgets that we are given as a function. Indeed. Um, you mentioned pandemic. Do you think we have, as an industry, built on the reputational progress we saw during COVID-19, or are we going back to where we were before the pandemic? I think in the round, yes. But I would say that with a number of caveats, I think, that yes, we absolutely have, I think, maintained that focus and that reputation as being somebody that can come in and help deliver 
tactically and can help deliver all the things that we've done from infrastructure, from channels, and we're a fundamental partner. And we're a fundamental, I think, also, I think, in that ability to help leaders and be a coach to help them in how they communicate. So I think that, that yes, we have. Do I think that we have perhaps stalled? in some areas where we may have become still quite focused on the tactical. And it, it, it links back to what I'm saying as well over this budget piece as well, is that we still are sometimes dancing in that tactical space because we don't have enough resource to step outside of the tactical space, or perhaps we don't have enough mindset shift, which I think is what I would say this year is about. I think we have still been, we're not sometimes no fault of our own, a very reactive function a very crisis-driven function. I hope we are now trying to lean towards being a more proactive horizon scanning function. That's the leap we need to get if we're going to keep that reputational progress. So that's what we need to do more of as industry, is it to re- kind of raise the kind of level at which we're seeing and therefore get the right budgets and just kind of become more of a strategic partner, which we've talked about for ages, but doesn't seem to happen quickly? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean, as I said, the, the challenge has been sort of there is that widening of scope of our role, but we haven't lost anything from the original part of our role. People still want comms sent out, email sent out, things to be done, checks to be done. And when you are limited on resource, you find yourself just in that constant hamster wheel of just do, 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 because that's what's being asked of you. I think, therefore, their outcomes to us is without that is what do we do to make that shift? What power can we take in our own abilities to make that shift? And I think for me, it it needs to come back to that level of how we prioritize and how we help the business prioritize, because everybody wants everything every minute of the day at every pace that they want. There is patience that just feels like it's gone out the window. The concept of patience is gone. The concept of Time is is our biggest barrier, I think, in doing that and sometimes to be creative and to think you need that time. So I think that we need to really understand more clearly what are the needs of our stakeholders, what are the needs of our employers, what are the needs of the employees, and where are the quick wins, where are the things that we need to do to make solutions, to make things up, become an advisor and work on that alignment between them. And that means things like baking data into our day. It means regular employee listening. It means alignment between functions. It means prioritization. And often it also means saying no and actually going, we don't need to do that volume. Actually, quality wins over quantity. So I think it's about how can we help our own mindset shift to that strategic nature rather than going being a yes function because or, or helping deliver tactically of actually going, stop, what do you need? What's going to make the most business objectives? What's going to make that for? What's the employee saying? If we don't solve, there'll be a consequence to this. Let me look at what you're all saying and saying, right, here is my recommendations based on what employees say, based on business need. And this is the way we're going to work through that. And actually how when we align ourselves properly across all those needs. And I think that's the challenge, I think, for us to do that. I loved your phrase there about patience has gone out of the equation because I think we're finding it with our clients that everything needs to be done immediately uh, and with not much money. And as you said, not always it's easy to say no. Is that what your members are telling you that you know there's there's more demands on them and the the the, the way that our profile has increased has only actually led to more work and perhaps not as much of a budget. Yeah, it is. I think if I look at all the things that my members tell me that I'm on multiple calls with, multiple events, multiple things that I'm speaking at, is that everyone sort of goes, well, that's all lovely in the reality and this rosy picture of things. But at the end of the day, I've got all these people 
expecting all these things of me with little time and little resource to do it. So how am I supposed to get there when I have this balance of it? And nobody is willing sometimes to be told no or to listen to that or to calm that down. And and I guess that's why evidence plays the greatest role. It is your biggest weaponry in that thing. And I think we, we are a very passionate professional community. We want to be doing the sustainable comms piece. We want to do the purpose piece, the culture piece, the informity piece. We want to work on all the EDI issues, everything. We can see all that needs fixing and all that we can work on. Uh, and we want to go at it. And, and you're getting those briefs constantly at you. And it is a challenge to kind of work through that in a more logical, rational way and to actually really push back and actually give evidence to why it's not appropriate right now to do that so is the evidence and the data that's connected with it is that the big opportunity for us as industry and if it is are you optimistic that we can actually do that do we have the right people in the industry to actually act upon that yeah i do i do think it's a big opportunity for us and and, and the other things i would say as well that that from from the IYC's perspective, obviously we're a big skills trainer. That's part of what we do is give we we have the profession map and and we look at all the skills and all the things that are go out there. And if I look at what's happening this year in terms of the profession and where we're investing our development, it's all been in change comms, strategic comms, measurement data. So I think we are well aware of that. And actually, if I look at the sway where perhaps last year it was more about storytelling or more about those sorts of things, we're really shifting our development into. To the space and I think that we know it's been a conversation that's gone on for, for a long long time and I think the other fear that I keep hearing in this measurement space which I do think is an opportunity is we feel reticent to take a big business metric because we can't say it's wholly ours so therefore we hold back from it doesn't matter you play a contributing factor play and find your contributing factor and there's lots of people I speak to they go I want to get good at measurement and I know I could look at retention stats and sickness stats but I can't that's that's HR's data that's not mine so how can I say I've I've done something with that of course you can we need to track back put those measurements in place and also find the things we need to measure and the things that make difference and tell that story and also the other thing I would say as well is listening, employee listening and doing that more regularly, because often what we can also do is we can get obsessed with measuring our impact. So, well, we've done a campaign, so we've had so many click throughs, therefore we're great. What there is an opportunity to do is also to do active listening through regular listening, whatever methodology works best for you is see what the problems are before they arrive. So you can go into a leadership team and go, look, I'm hearing down on the shift floor. If we don't change this and we're going to lose 20 percent of our workforce because the listening channels are telling me that. Now, you give that kind of insight to a leadership team through the program of work that you do and then align with your other functions. That starts to become really, really impactful work. It's interesting because it's that that listening thing is probably something people don't necessarily think about. They think about the outputs, the channels, as you said, what they produce. But actually, going back to basics, it's about getting closer to the the people you're representing. So it's a really good point. Now, under your stewardship, Jen, IOIC has gone from strength to strength. We know that. So well done, big well done. Thank you. How does though the industry still become more mainstream? I saw a survey yesterday about students still not necessarily wanting to enter our industry they'd rather go into marketing or pr how do we make ic more mainstream what's the ioic doing to to make that happen it's a big challenge and it, and it's not one that you know we've done a lot of work as you you kindly said at the ioic to strengthen what we do for our members 
the next phase of our work, which is the biggest, I think, challenge of our work. And as a board, what I'm spending a lot of time into is, is this piece around advocacy. And for me, there's two roles to the advocacy and there's two advocacy routes we're working on. So if you take the thing that you've just talked about in terms of talent into our profession, we launched a number of years ago, our I Choose I See campaign, and it's a lot of grassroots work. It takes an army of ambassadors and advocates to get out there. And we've done great stuff from talking to undergraduates. I went to an undergraduate event at the LSE the other week. Literally six people went away, thought I was going to, I'm going to go into internal comms now. We're supporting the Love for Black Challenge campaigns. We're working with social mobility charities. It takes dialogue, communication and awareness. And it takes outreach with, with academics and partnership work. The challenge with a small business like this and actually internal comps not being on the undergraduate programs. There is no, if you're doing a core comms degree, there's no module on internal comms. It doesn't exist. So therefore there is, there is no lecturer, like I'm a marketing graduate. So my lecturer told me about the CIM from the day dot of my undergraduate degree. So that influence is going to take an inordinate amount of work and an inordinate amount of time. We're starting. We have a long way to go. So what does that mean? It means more outreach, more talking to young people, more events, more conversations, more schools, more ambassadors. Then the flip side is also then for the IOIC to get working with the academics and those designing the syllabus and the modules to think about how can we get IC placed in some kind of way at undergraduate level so that it is recognised and people can see it as a career pathway. We've come a long way, but we have got an awful lot more work to do, I would say. And on the second side of advocacy, it's proving the value of internal comms to businesses and why they should invest in that. And that's, again, and uh, I think we're earlier on in that journey as the Institute, but we have got some big plans here from what we're doing defining what we stand for and a big research piece of work that we're launching at the festival this year which will see the start of us looking at how we can push out there more widely in the business community why internal comms is so important brilliant you mentioned the festival is that the next big thing in your agenda i'm sure there's lots of things in your agenda but is that the big thing and are tickets still available jen can people come and join us Absolutely still available. Yes, it is the next, it's the next big event. So it's in on the 14th and 15th of June at Welling Garden City and a lovely farm. I, I'm selling very largely the number of alpacas and ducks that are available in all the streams. It's not just about that, but there is three streams of content, everything from the practical to the big and tickets are still available. It's our big annual event back in person. That's certainly the big, big next event. Fabulous. And, and just final question, we've covered a fair amount of ground here, but are you generally optimistic about the future in terms of the IC industry? As you said, lots of challenges, lots of hard work ahead, but we have come a long way. Optimistic? Yeah, absolutely. I think we have to be optimistic. I think that, you know, a lot of what I say my job is, you know, we talk about being operational and being strategic, but my job is also to make people stand prouder and to feel proud of the job that they do. And that it's really critical. And I think we can all feel in our worlds how important the role of internal communication is. And as we look to the future, there's so much more change to come. And I think the opportunities for internal communicators to take a leadership role are vast. It's just getting through those challenges to get there. That's brilliant. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for being such a great guest. And we look forward to seeing you at the festival. And more power to your elbow and our elbow as industry in general. Thanks very much. Thanks so much. No worries. The next Tickle Presents podcast will be recorded in the next month or so. So watch this space. But in the meantime, again, thanks, Jen. And we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.